Hello and welcome to another episode of A Grass Half Empty. Um, I'm your host, as always, Jasmine Sohail, with my NFL and football expert co-host, Eddie, <laughs> <laughs> Eddie how are you, mate? Very good, Jess. How's things? Very well. Uh, so, with this football podcast, we decided to get the magical duo of Sonny and Daniel back together after a year and a half apart. Uh, so, <laughs> Sonny and Daniel, welcome, welcome back to the show. Cheers, um, fella. <laughs> it's got nothing Cheers to do with the fact that I'm So, um, thank you for inviting me back after my shocking predictions last time. <laughs> yeah, actually, last time we were on, um, when I <laughs> Daniel, you got it right. You're the only one who said that Liverpool in the league. I think we all went City, so yeah, but I, I also said I also said Norwich to finish top 10. <laughs> yeah, that went horribly actually. Um, so, uh, for, uh, for this podcast, we're just going to talk in general about the Premier League and uh, then moving on to a couple of really interesting debate questions. Um, so, everyone who doesn't know, Sonny's a big Chelsea fan, Daniel's a massive Newcastle fan, and Ed's a massive Portsmouth fan, so he will not be in this conversation at all in the Premier League. <laughs> uh, unless you want to talk about Matt Taylor's world, he's about 12 years ago. If we could talk uh, about like 2010 prior, like 10 years, <laughs> that would be good. Anything else, uh, I'd be struggling. That could be for our net podcast when you get one of the Portsmouth boys on, because they'll probably have nothing else to do. That's um, let's, uh, so let's kick off. Uh, I think we'll just start with your teams in general, so... We'll go with Newcastle first, Daniel. Uh, lovely loss to Sheffield United to get them their first win. Uh, how are going this season? <laughs> it's horrible flashbacks to 2007-2008 and that Derby County team that famously won one match all season <laughs> against Newcastle. <laughs> and our history is repeating itself as well. We're just, for any team that's down on its luck in the Premier League, we are that lifeline pulling them out of the sea. <laughs> Giving them something to hope for. Um, yeah, it's pretty dire. <laughs> not a lot of positives to go on. Um, the 40 million up front. Uh, the thing that separates Newcastle from, I guess, the other teams in the bottom six is that we do actually have a genuinely good striker. The difference is the other teams in the bottom half of the table are all kind of playing to their strengths, whereas we seem to be actively playing against ours. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's it's miserable two or three times a week or whatever when I get the BBC news ping on my phone telling me the Newcastle lineup, and it's just a nine zero one formation with. Uh, <laughs> that thing you played against was the City, was the City or Liverpool? You played where. Jazz, it's everyone. It was Sheffield, <laughs> Sheffield United a couple of days ago. It's, uh, yeah, five at the back, two holding midfielders, two very defensive wide midfielders, and then one striker up top. Um, yeah, and losing Ryan Fraser didn't help, but uh, can't, can't really argue with the results. We didn't deserve to win. And credit, to, credit to Sheffield. You actually sound so depressed just talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> actually so depressed. <laughs> I think they're doing yeah. better than they should be, though. Like, they should be a lot lower. Like, some of the results just so. last I minute. I just... Some little fluky penalties last minute. That, that robbery against Spurs is still horrible. Like, yeah, that sort of stuff. 
absolutely popped the whole game and then got a VAR penalty in the 93rd minute to draw with your first shot on target. <laughs> <laughs> um, the thing is, like, we we have good players, and I think we have a you know attacking enough players. Callum Wilson, um, Sam Maximan, Mickey Almiron. It's it's not really to do with the quality of the squad. It's just it's just the way we're playing. We're holding ourselves back. We're our own worst enemies here. Um, and you go back. I don't think Mike Ashley cares anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Ashley emotionally checked out of this club if he was ever interested. I I don't even know where we are on the table. Um, if we get rid of Steve Bruce, I don't know who we'd bring in. Um, yeah, it's, it's annoying. I was going to say, Ed, have you caught any of the Newcastle games, or have you not been able to watch the horror show that's been <laughs> that's been going on? I try to avoid them at all costs. Really. <laughs> that's my motto. Do, I do not blame you. <laughs> Actually, I just I just realised that the Newcastle Sheffield United game must have been the worst Premier League game that's been in the history of the like league. I don't know. The Derby County one was pretty impressive, like Daniel said. So. <laughs> They've done it again. Fair play. It's like a, it's like a charity. It just keeps on giving. Got to have some pride over that. You know, it's like help help the footballing community by giving these teams the one win of the season. You should be proud of that. Um, just yeah, I mean, we'll move on to Chelsea in a second, um, Daniel. But uh, you'll be safe, right? I think you've got enough points already. And the way the bomb. Um, yeah. It, it, I don't think we're good enough to stay up, but equally, I think, are there three teams that are worse than us? Probably. Um, I think we're better than West Brom. I think we're probably better than Brighton, Fulham and Sheffield United. It should be close. But... Yeah. Do we deserve to stay up? Absolutely not. But <laughs> will we? we might just stay up. Um Let's move on to our team. I know it's a struggling Sunday. So we spoke, we spoke, um, we, obviously I'll let you take the lead, but we spoke a bit off in our little chat when you played Arsenal and genuinely was one of like, the worst performances I've seen. Yeah, it's been woeful. Um, but yeah, go on you go. There was chats of a title challenge at the start of December. Then there was chats of Lampard straight. We're out. We're going bottom half the table after four losses or five losses in seven. Yeah, it's uh, it's been one one and six or something. Apart from the Morecambe game, which I'm not sure you count. But <laughs> disrespect, disrespect to Morecambe. Put some respect but in the name. We've got it. Should give Werner and Havertz some confidence, even if it is against League One. <laughs> But like it's just, I think I'm still Lampard in. I just there's no, I don't see the point in getting rid of him. Like the way, like how Solskjaer's got them to the top of the, <laughs> like it's just just hold on a bit longer maybe. And but he's just got so bad. Like we just can't. All we do is cross and cross and cross. That's what and I he, said to my yeah. So I said to my mate who's a Chelsea fan, but he's way more deluded than you. So it's funny to like piss him off. Um. But I, literally, I was like, you're just a rich man, Stoke City. Like, you just put in, like, two big, tall players in the, in the box. Get mm. it to your white man and just chuck in crosses for days. Like, if they had Roy Delap in the Chelsea squad, you would literally be Stoke City. What are, these, just... what are these rumors about um, Chelsea bringing in Avram Grant? As an assistant? Yeah, I heard he's coming <laughs> to the backroom staff. 
<laughs> You'd be I didn't so see lucky. how that's going to change it. <laughs> Ports with Hero. <laughs> so he had good results for us, but I don't think he's going to change the. He's not going to make it any more attractive. Also, Wh- like, where's he been? Years ago. It, where's he been <laughs> yeah. for the last 10 years? Like, I, don't, I reckon I, he's probably Russia, Qatar, or something like that. I think yeah, he was over there. Yeah, yeah. Russia. Um, I can't imagine it's like, that's going to change things. Yeah, so, yeah, this is a good search on Wikipedia. Um, since he left West Ham in 2011, he's been at Partizan Belgrade for less than a year. Beck Tero Sasana <laughs> as the technical director. So three, years, three years of Ghana who's got an international pedigree uh, <laughs> North East United in the so Indian, are, you, are you as agent dad as the interim manager that's a Chelsea is it, do you think it's a case of like what I've noticed watching Chelsea is it seems like Lampard is kind of trying to shoehorn all these signings into, yeah, I think it's exactly it. Into a system that doesn't fit the signings, rather yeah. than trying to build around the players that he's got. So, like, you've got... I'll let you take it all over, but, like, you see Havertz, when he played for Leverkusen, he was unbelievable as, like, the second striker, like a centre-forward. He's playing, like, a right centre-mid for Chelsea in a 43. Uh, Werner's playing left wing. He can't cross and he can't beat anyone, so I don't really see the point in him playing he left really wing. He really can't run. I don't know what's happening to him. Um, so, it's kind of like, I think Lampard's not... Either he's not got a clue... Which could still be true. Like he's got no experience behind him, right? He's, yeah. He took he took Derby from six to six, and he got the Chelsea job. So, <laughs> yeah, but he'd be like... there, so. So, um, I think it's like I don't think he wants to move from his like four three three. I think that's what he wants to do. But then they can't. He's not trying to force all these players in to make Abramovich happy, which isn't going to work because Havers isn't. He's just been terrible at it, and then Werner's not working on the left, but he has to play him there. And then Pulisic isn't playing on the left, who's our best player. And then, like, Hudson had always informed, but he's not playing because you have to fit in these new signings. Just, like, play who's in form, like, have a bit of bottle. Yeah. It, 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 and, like, oh, that donkey Abraham keeps playing. I genuinely don't understand. Like, he, he's awful. He's better than um, Werner, though, at the moment. <laughs> I was going to say, if you sell the video, you're going to delete you from this call. Because a lot of people... A lot of people, like, don't want straight. And, they're, like, he comes on, and they're, like, oh, he crosses. And, like, yeah, but all we do is cross, and he scores from the cross. <laughs> So just play people that are scoring. I don't understand what the problem is with them coming on scoring every game. You, so if if you were Lance right now, like what? Like I think we talked about this. Like the system you'd play to try. And, do you think that would work with the players you've got right now? I think I'd move it to um. If he, I think he's set on getting these players in. I think I'd change the system so that Havertz can play in a ten role or something. But I wouldn't. I'd still. St- I Kovacic has, has to play every game. I don't know why he's ever dropped. It's just yeah. I feel so sorry for these players and then. You know, I think we need I would go four two three one, but I think he's set in the four three three. But then we're not as bad defensively anymore. And Mendy's a fraud as well. Just Mendy's a massive fraud. I was gonna say I was gonna come <laughs> on to that. So Chelsea fans have seen it being like um like all these memes and stuff, like oh girls try to shoot their shot, but then they turn to Edward Mendy. I was like, No, like fuck off. No, no like, not at all. <laughs> like it's just like I think we had some that little run of form. Like I can get very delusional just because it's Lampard. And he's fist pumping like, "Oh, we're on five games. We're going to the top of the league. It's sweet." And then we had that little terrible, run, like a good run against terrible teams. And then he had he faced like three shots or something. And then he came out. He battered um Calvert Lewin. Calvert Lewin. That was so funny. Um, <laughs> and there's just some other thing. Like against City, he just came out 
I think they scored not directly from about a minute later. He came out, tried to wipe out De Bruyne, and they just sort of stopped halfway through. It's just, it just yeah, doesn't look I, good. But I think it was like a run of three games. So he closed line Calvert Lewin to give away a penalty, and he lost that game one 0 and then he came out, ran out of Bamford, who just went round him with ease and put it in the bottom corner. Yeah, I got lucky. We were good that game, actually. That was yeah. the, But I think anyone could be good against Leeds. They're just so open. It's just... Yeah. Leeds yeah. are 50-50. But they are good to watch, though. Leeds are literally Blackpool, aren't they? Like a decade later. But... Yeah. Like, They'll stay up there. Do you think that's... Yeah, yeah I think... They've yeah, pretty, pretty much safe already. Leeds are pretty quality. Um, so we'll go with the... We'll just chat. Like, that was good chat. We'll move on to in general. Do you think... Going down, so even though Sheffield United can't play Newcastle every week, so this should go down. Um, <laughs> who else do you boys have going down with them? So, Ed, for you personally, do you have, do, do you have a sneaky feeling? Big Sam's back in, never been relegated? No, they're going down. They're going <laughs> down hard. I feel, I feel really feel sorry for West Brom fans. I don't know where you go from. Yeah, once he takes over and you're signing like Bobby Snodgrass and guys like that, I mean, you just it must be it must be physically painful to see you because. They, they're not. They're not going anywhere. I'd be. I'd be very surprised if he can turn that around. Um, and I hope he doesn't. To be honest, because uh, I, I wouldn't mind seeing the back of them, and I wouldn't mind seeing the back of Big Sam as well. I think he's had his time. A bit sick and tired of the, the charade that he pulls out every time. How he's still getting jobs. Uh, I do understand it. Like you say, he hasn't been relegated. Fair enough. You know, he has his draw. But like, for a team like West Brom, you know, they 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 look like they were kind of. You know, yeah, they didn't have a great start, but maybe building something, and and you can't build under under Big Sam. It's just just not possible. Like so. Yeah. I don't know. Got with them then, so that's West Brom, Sheffield United. One more. Is that better, Fulham? <sighs> I don't know. I don't know because I, I think Fulham maybe I've seen a little bit out of them. Um, <sighs> well, they got a draw. Against, they they played Spurs yesterday, and they were quite good actually. Like, yeah, I think both Unbe- Five, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've shown a little bit of backbone, a little bit of resilience. I don't know about Brighton, to be honest. Um, you know, if, if Leeds hadn't got so many results, I would be seriously concerned about about them. You know, defending the way they do doesn't doesn't pay in the long run. You know, you can whilst they can score now, it's all it's all well and good, but you know, you, you, it, it it doesn't doesn't work in the long run playing the way they're doing. It's not that's sustainable. That's with Paddy Bamford with his like caught streak. We all we all know Bamford's a top end championship striker. Yeah, uh, yeah. He needs about ten chances to score one. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's definitely true. Daniel, what about you? Um, who's going down uh, with Sheffield? Yeah, I would go for West Brom and probably Brighton as well. I do feel a bit sorry for. I think Fulham in the last few weeks have kind of turned it around a bit. Um, I do feel sorry for them because I think they had about six weeks between the playoff final and the start of the season. So there really wasn't a lot of time to prepare for life in the Premier League. They didn't have a full pre-season behind them. I West Brom, but the difference is, I think, Fulham, they have a style of play. Parker kind of has a vision for them. Um, I think it's a 3-4-3 they play most of the time, and it seems to finally be coming together. Guys like Lukman, who they signed quite late on in the transfer window, are beginning to... Beginning to look like a decent player uh, so yeah I think Fulham will do just enough to survive Brighton kind of putting them in there on by default because I forget they're a Premier League team half the time if you told me Brighton got relegated last season I would probably believe you uh, <laughs> a 
feels apart from that match. Was it was the last season when they played Arsenal, and they were just like Mope was laughing at them and. Oh, Arsenal, Arsenal fan TV after yeah. that was the best thing I've ever watched, to be honest. No, it's a no-pay tar, right? Yeah, no-pay your treats. I think that's yeah. <laughs> the only thing I can remember Brighton doing in the last few months, apart from <laughs> drawing with Newcastle, of course. So, yeah, so Brighton, West Brom, probably Sheffield United. Probably Sheffield United. I mean, they're pretty much gone. <laughs> yeah, but defensively, they're a solid unit. They haven't actually conceded that many goals for a team that have had as woeful start to the season. Yeah, um, but you pretty much have, have to go on like a so. like a Champions League run now to stay out. No, not no, really. They need you know yeah. three or three or four wins. I don't think it's out of the question. They're, I think there was some nine. Side. Yeah, nine points behind Brighton, so three wins and twenty matches. I think is doable. Sorry, what about you, mate? Go on, give me your three. Uh, I don't want to be boring, but I do agree. I don't think Fulham are good on. I quite like Scott Parker. Um, but I think Sheffield... I, I know it's quite hard to say that Sheffield have been unlucky considering they've lost 15 games, but <laughs> I think they have been quite unlucky. I think they, they're not... I don't think they will step, but I think it's not out of the question. Yeah. And if, like, if Burnley stay up as well, I, I think they will. Like, actually, very impressive from Dice. No budget ever, <laughs> every year, and he still does. I don't know how he does it, but their team I mean, gets worse. And they play rancid football, right? That's how they do it. Like they just play yeah, physical but... crap football. Um, it's an interesting point you guys you made up uh, earlier about to talk about the like how does Sam Adams keep getting a job? Like I don't understand how all these like dinosaur English managers just keep going round. Like Steve Bruce, uh, Roy Hodgson, Sam Allardyce. Alan Parge will probably find his way back in somehow. Like, how are all these lads coming back in? Like, surely it's time to realise they're just not that good. Mark Hughes, another one. Yeah, yeah, no, it just, just seems strange. It's like uh, some sort of boy band that keep <laughs> keep coming back into the light. It's like, when's it when's it time to hang up the hang up the? Uh, I don't know what boy bands have that you like to hang up, but yeah, I'm I'm sick and tired of it. It must be time for these guys. I mean, Sam Allardyce is this got to be his last hurrah. <laughs> you know, imagine <laughs> that being that. Your, your swan song. It's like people yeah. talk about like winning the World Cup, winning the Champions <laughs> League. No, 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 no. We'll keep West Brom up, scrape it a, a, a point at the end of the season. You keep it up with twelve right off into the sunset. Yeah, <laughs> but then you argue and say, "Oh, it's like how does he keep getting a job?" But he comes in and draws one all with Liverpool. Like, yeah. the, the, a proper masterclass. <laughs> it, it does work. <laughs> yeah. I would say 18% possession is not a masterclass. No, but it's a, it's an Allardyce masterclass. Like, it's it's what he, what he set out to do it. He's like, let's stay in it and see if we can nick it in the 85th. And he did. I, would, I don't know. I was kind of, yeah, after I saw that, I was a little bit encouraged thinking, oh, yeah, no fair play. You know, it's going to be. But then the results haven't really followed from there. You always see that yeah. we that we boost from a new manager. and. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Well, we we'll wait and see. Maybe it'll prove me wrong, and uh, and it would be impressive keeping that team up. To be fair, they haven't really got much. They didn't, you know, invest massively. So um, we'll see. Um, I'm just going to quickly move to the top of the table because obviously it's more interesting. Um, so like, the top, the top, the top half is so, so, so close. Because um, I think there was one point where I think it was Chelsea where they could have gone top if they won, but they lost and would have. Seventh, I was like, what, what? Um, 
So my question is, do you think Liverpool have kind of burnt out? Are their injuries catching up with them a bit? Um, because they've really not played that well. So even at the start of the year, I think since Van Dijk's gone down, um, they've had Jota came on a few times and won them the game off the bench, but they weren't looking very good with the players they had on the pitch. And now Jota's been injured and they just can't seem to create anything. I don't know what it is. Like, is it just teams playing deep? They're getting unlucky. But I think the game they lost to Southampton, they had all of the possession in the world, but they didn't really create anything that was substantial in the whole game. And slowly those like points have been dropped that they weren't dropping last year. They had a lucky win against, against Tottenham where they scored in the 92nd minute to win it in the last minute. They've had another couple in the last minute to draw. What do you boys think in, on Liverpool in general? Um, Sonny, I'll go to you first, mate. Um, what's called that? Um, Danny Ings' goal was unbelievable. By the way, I take him at Chelsea in a heartbeat. <laughs> he loves scoring. Um, <laughs> what's I, I think the United game on Sunday is massive. Like It's be like the first time they haven't been at the top for what a year and a bit really someone actually challenging them to see how they react to it and if they do like crumble to it then it could be maybe the end of it all then I thought City were going to um, come and sort of wipe through after the game against Chelsea when they were incredible against us then they go and draw against Fulham or not Fulham who do they drop points to they didn't drop points they won it was Spurs that drew to Fulham sorry yes um, but like they just didn't look as good no they won 1-0 like, yeah, yeah and they're just you just think no one. It is so stop start, mm-hmm. and I just I think Liverpool will win it. Do you think? Yeah, I do think they will. I just think they'll just have the experience to do it. Uh, yeah, I mean the way the table is looking right now. So City win their game in hand, they go above Liverpool, one behind United. So two of Liverpool, one behind United. Is that right? Um, with Liverpool and United playing each other. And that's one thing as well. Like City have literally not been talked about at all in this title race for some bizarre reason. I don't know why. They've only lost like two games all season. It's because um, you can be like in eighth and not near the top, then one week later you're second. Well, yeah. mm-hmm. They've it's also not mad. played, right? They played two games less, and they've always been like down in seventh and eighth because they've been like mm-hmm. two games behind everyone. Um but I I I'm I think it's cities, to be honest. What do you think, Daniel? City and Liverpool again. I was talking about United is on a bit because they are on a bit of a run, but um, what have you noticed from both City of them? Are, City are just kind of lurking in the background, aren't they? Um, I don't think you can ever count them out. Uh, and especially if Aguero gets back in the side, gets back into form. Because I think the biggest problem with them at the moment is they just don't seem to be scoring as many goals as they have in previous seasons. Um, it was a uh, 1-0 win a couple of days ago against... Who was it? I want to say Fulham, but that's it was someone bad. Someone bad, Brighton, I think. Was it Brighton? Yeah, maybe. One 0 win, one 0 win the other day when a couple of years ago you would have expected them to win four or five. It's kind of a return to classic Premier League, very open seasons where I think we maybe got accustomed to in the last couple of years Liverpool and Man City keeping this incredibly high standard going where they would go on 10 match winning streaks, um, getting 99, 100 points each season, which really hasn't ever been the norm in the Premier League. Uh, And this kind of feels like a return to a more normal Premier League season where you can lose a few matches, you can lose two or three matches and still really be in the chance. Um, and even, you know, I don't think if, if Liverpool fail to beat United this season, uh, this weekend, it's not going to be the end of their season. Um, they'll still have 
more chances to come back. But that will be mentally though, because that'll be they've they've kind of dropped points. So they've not won in twenty twenty one, right? I think they've drawn and lost. Um and then if they lose again, um it it starts to point towards a trend, but I'm gonna quickly continue to move on. Um Ed, do United have a shot? Or is this just a little flurry from Ole, but it's just going to they're going to fizzle out? No, they haven't got a shot. It's just a flurry. <laughs> it's, I, I, I agree with Sonny. I think, I think Liverpool, uh, in the long run, um, they'll get it together. And uh, I, th- I think they're the strongest team. And uh, City, I don't know what's gone on. I don't, I, they don't quite seem right, but they should be in and amongst. You know, United seem like they're play, you know, putting together a little bit of a solid run, but... You know, this is where you you go and you lose like two games in a row to Sheffield United and Brighton, and then you, your season starts unraveling. and And they seem to like they've got that in the back pocket. So for for me, you know, maybe it, it does turn out and they, they they win on the weekend. But I don't think you know just winning that one game is going to be the end of the season by a long shot. Yeah, one thing one thing I'll say, I see what your boys think about it is the, just talking about Man United. What I've noticed about Ole, and we've all kind of called him a PE teacher and stuff on the back. Yeah, fair enough. Um, he's actually adapted to, I think he was trying to do what Lampard is doing right now, where he had all these players that they bought, trying to get them all into a system that worked. So he's trying to play kind of like the City old ways, when they had De Bruyne and Silva playing, like kind of what Chelsea were playing, the 4-3-3 with two essentially cams playing a centre mid. Um, and he was trying to do that with Pogba and Fernandez with one holding. The issue he had was he didn't have a Fernandinho. He had a Scott McTominay. Uh, <laughs> and he's on quite a level. But I think he's finally realised that the way he's going to try and play, obviously helps getting Bruno Fernandes in, who's been phenomenal the past 12 months. Um, but now you can see that since their good run started, it's because he's had Fred and McTominay playing CDM. You can think of what you want of them. Yeah. They're not like the most like amazing players, whatever, but they're doing a job. They're both CDMs. Or they know their job is to just, Break up play, give it to the guy, give it to Fernandez and Rashford and Martial, and they can do what they want up front. Um, but I think that's been the key to their success and why they've gone to the, near the top. Because I remember watching them against Spurs, and they got humbled. Like they lost six one, obviously, but they were awful that day, and they just didn't have that cover in front of that rancid centre back partnership. Um, <laughs> I mean, Harry Maguire as a Premier League player is possibly the biggest joke I've ever seen. But that's the difference I'd say is. I think they finally, I think Ole's found a way to play everyone and a system that works. And he said, that's why Van der Beek's not getting on the pitch. It's not a case of, oh, they don't need, he's like, you know what, I'd rather play McTominay and Fred because I know what I'm getting out of them. They'll play that CDM role. And I think that's kind of going back to the Chelsea thing. I think that's where you're going wrong, Sonny, and Lampard is. He's trying to go, I have to play Havertz. I have to play Ziyech. I have to play Mm -hmm. Werner. I have to play Mount. He loves Mount. Mount. Is Mount like his Elizabeth's Mount, son or something? Mount has been good this year. <laughs> yeah. He's improved a lot. He gets a lot of unnecessary abuse, I think. Yeah. He, no, he's, he actually I, I, tries. I, That's one thing with Chelsea. We sort of stopped playing, I think, forward man. I think there's not, people didn't really look bothered. Yeah. I don't think people weren't buying into Lampard's ways. I think it's a problem. The biggest joke of a player has to be Jorginho, though. Like, I just don't understand like what, why he plays. Like, why He's the slowest man. <laughs> and he plays centre mid, centre defensive mid. Have you ever seen him try to I run I think he's back? a really bad Xavi. Like a really, <laughs> really bad Xavi. He, he reminds me of when you play like FIFA clubs and you, you know, you're, you're like first pro if you come late into the club and you're really bad compared <laughs> to everybody really slow. That's, he reminds me of that. Yeah, he's awful. Um, I think he's off penalties finally. They missed another one the other week. So that's him gone. Thank Christ. Um, that's one good thing to come out of the season then. So, uh, as a success. 
before we move on, uh, I'm going to get all your boys' top three predictions to the end of the season, right? So, uh, Daniel, go first. First, second, third. Who have you got? Uh, Liverpool, City, and I'm going to throw Everton in there. I'm just going to put a wild card into the top three. I think Everton is going to, under Ancelotti, are just going to have a very low-key end to the season. They're very solid. Not going to make too many mistakes. And, yeah, I think they'll capitalise on United. He's yeah, I like that. I like those. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, I could, yeah, I could see Everton being in there. Probably say I'll play it safe. Liverpool, City, and then United. Sorry, uh, I'll probably go Liverpool, City, Spurs. Ooh, so I'm gonna go because everyone knows that I hate Liverpool. So I'm going for um, City to win the league. Uh, Spurs second, United third, Liverpool fifth. Klopp's uh, sacked. There we go. Um, Probably not going to come true, but if it does, I'd probably make it a million pounds. Um, Right, so we're going to move on quickly. So I made a little quiz, uh, and it's between Sonny and Daniel. And it's only three questions each. And uh, it's a a segment I quite like, so it's going to take five, ten minutes, nothing too long. Uh, The way it works is I'm going to ask you both a question each. Um, and you can choose a question either about your club, but it's a hard question, or about the oh. other one's club, but it's an easy question. So, uh, I'm going to start with uh, Sunny as the youngest in the room. Uh, would you like a hard Chelsea question or an easy Newcastle question? I'm going to play away. I'll go for the tune. You're going for the tune easy? Yeah. Okay. Let me get, get my question. Mr. Right so, Newcastle United got relegated in 2016, Sunny. Mm. Uh, what was what was the year they got relegated before then? So eight nine. Yeah, correct. Two thousand nine. <laughs> That's such a guess. <laughs> That's such a guess. A point, Daniel. Would you go home or away? Uh, I'll go for a hard home question. Okay. To try and get the edge on Sunny here. <laughs> um. So, Newcastle legend Alan Shearer scored many, many goals for Newcastle. Uh, what was, who did he score his first ever hat trick against? Oof. It first was in 1997. New- yeah, for Newcastle. For Newcastle. Uh, I have absolutely no idea. So, I'm going to take a guess and I'm going to go for Sheffield Wednesday. It was Leicester City. Ah, I should have gone out. Not even close. <laughs> Sunny, home, home or away? I exposed myself. I'll go home, please. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, uh, Chelsea, what, what position did Chelsea finish in the very first Premier League season? 1992. You love Premier League years. You must have watched that. Ninth. 11th. Oh, you boys do not know your clubs. Hate to see it, eh? Uh, Daniel. <laughs> Homer away. It's one, one hill to Sunny right now. I've been burned before. I'll go for an easy Chelsea question to draw level. Uh, in the magical Champions League final where JT started crying when he missed the penalty, um, who actually missed the penalty that lost in the Champions League? Uh, Nicholas Anelka. Yeah, it was Nicholas and Elka. Right. Yeah, 1-1. Uh, 
Sudden death voice. Please, one of you got this wrong because I've not got that many questions here. Um, Sadie Homer away. <laughs> uh, I'll go home again. I go Chelsea. Okay, Chelsea. Uh, what year did John Terry make his debut? 1998. That is correct. <laughs> Daniel, this is to tie and to make it a sudden death as it can't be arsed Got to match it, yep. Go to Newcastle again. Um, yep. Who, how many points did Newcastle win the championship with in 2017? Uh, 102. 94, a bit over. And Sunny takes Four. it. Sunny <sighs> takes a 2 1. Hell is nerd, the lads. GG's. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough one. The other questions I had here, I don't know if you boys know it, so the ones I didn't ask. Uh, how many titles have Chelsea won since the Premier League started? Is, it, is that the easy one? Yeah, that's an easy one, yeah. That's not my answer. Five? <laughs> uh, that's correct. Uh, and the hard Chelsea one, it's not that hard. Where did Chelsea sign Drogba from? Marseille. Uh, yeah, Marseille. Yeah, indeed. And then the Newcastle one that I didn't ask was, who did Newcastle lose to in the 99 FA Cup final? Uh, Man United. Oh, yeah, they won the treble. That's actually such a treble. Easy yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> and the, the easy question was, uh, when Newcastle finished fifth, who was the striker duo that got them there? Oh, oh Papis and Demba. Demba Ban, Papis Yeah. Um, Legend. Uh, Chelsea legend. He's a Chelsea legend that he is. Yeah. <laughs> Score off a shin against PSG. Send us to the semis. Some boy. <laughs> and also gave us the magical CBG slip goal as well, which everyone loves. Yeah. Um, club. <laughs> so next up, we're going to go on to the uh, debate section. So for everyone, for if you've got a new listener, the 41st listener, uh, it's basically a debate <laughs> session. One of us makes a case for something. And then the others, kinda, we just kind of discuss it for about 10 minutes. Uh, this week, um, I'm going to start off with why I think Trent Alexander-Arnold is overrated and not the best right back in the world that Liverpool fans seem to claim he is. <laughs> so, um, this is <laughs> let me just get my stat sheet out, boys. Two seconds. Uh, so basically, my argument is that I think Trent is a product of the system of Liverpool. Um, I don't think he himself is that good. Uh, I think Liverpool are very good. And I think he's been helped so much by how good the, how good to start with is Virgil van Dijk because he is probably the best center back in the world, or if not the best, him and Ramos are tied. Um, and the fact that Liverpool are were so good that they kind of just held the ball, like 70% possession, they were always really attacking, they weren't really ever defending. Um, and this whole thing about him being the best in the world, last season he got 13 assists, and that's what I've seen everywhere. 13 assists, 13 assists, 13 assists. So I was like, let's look into these assists a wee bit. So I dug deep into these assists and uh, five. Trent takes all the set pieces, right? He takes all the corners, free kicks, everything for Liverpool. Um, so I kind of just, I, I took them away because it's not fair to judge his assists he got from them with other fullbacks in the league. Um, so he had, one side said five assists, one said six. I was 13 were from um, set play. So I gave him five in my analysis. And I basically did how many crosses they all had in the year. So my main argument is when the fullbacks get assists, it's usually from a cross, right? They go down the wings and stuff and cross it in. 
Trent crossed the ball 382 times last year. In comparison, the next highest fullback was Luca Dean, who crossed it 270 times, so 100 and, 112 times less than Trent Alexander-Arnold. Um, so I did an analysis to see how many assists everyone got based on the amount of crosses. Obviously, this is this is not claiming because uh, I know some people would have got assists anyway, right, without just passing and stuff. But it's just a general assumption. Um, when I did that for the top eleven assisters in the Premier League, Trent Alexander-Arnold was eleventh in, in assists per crosses. So um, the percentage-wise, I'll name some good ones here. So uh, he had a two percent of his crosses led to an assist, whereas. The best ones in the league were Kyle Walker, who had 7%. Uh, he had four assists from 54 crosses. Cesar Espelicueta was second with Oof. five assists per... Uh, 5% assists um, from crosses and stuff like that, right? So Wambasaka had three in a point, and I'll put all these on the Instagram page. You can all look at the stats yourself and make up your mind. My point is that kind of highlights a bit that he got all this assists because of the system he was in. Um, and... Obviously, I've never really played football, but you guys have. And you kind of all would probably agree that crossing isn't really... Like, you put it in an area, right? You put it in a general area and hope someone gets on the end of it. You put in a good cross, you kind of aim for someone, but it's kind of head down, put it in an area and hope someone attacks it and you get on the end of it. Um, so that's kind of my point, that his system allowed him to cross it so many times, which is why he generated the amount of assists he did, because he was just lumping... 382 crosses in 36 games. Um, so that's my attacking side argument, that I don't think he's that special. I think it's just the system he's in allows him to do that. Defensively, this is where it gets really fun, because he is fucking dreadful. Um, if you look at the, the, the main stats I focused on here was with players on his position, um, the one that I really liked was a dual win percentage, because that's irrelevant of what team you play for, what system you play for, it's just one-on-one how many times you lost a battle with someone. Um, and I'm, I matched him with a lot of players, and uh, the best dual win percentage was Aaron Wan-Bissaka, was 60%, which makes sense. I think we all would agree that he's, he's a good defender. Like, he defends quite well, one-on-ones. Um, next was Aspilicueta again, who I think is... Aspilicueta had a blinder sunny last year. By, by, was what the Aspilicueta, I think, is one of the best 1v1 defenders in the league. Yeah, he was quality last year, but even going forward, he was he was great. Um, and then it was Luca Dean, and all these guys are percentage about 58-60%. Alexander-Arnold was the only one that lost more duels than he won. So he had a percentage of 42% win percentage of duels won. Um, obviously, he lost the aerial battles because he's not he's never been an aerial guy. And this is all last year's stats. This is when everyone's saying he's the best in the world, best right back in the world. Look how good he's been this year. And this is all, all these stats are from that year. I mean, if you go, and I'm going to uh, cut it off now. So if you go this year, you've seen Van Dijk's been injured. Trent's led to two goals that have been pretty much his fault, solely his fault. One of them was the uh, Danny Ings one. It was a great goal, but Trent just completely lost him and he went in behind and put it in the top corner. Um, and then he almost scored possibly the best own goal I've ever seen. I think it was against Leeds when... Bamford went in, chipped the keeper, and then Trent just headed the top corner, but then the flag went up. And everyone's going to say, oh, he knew it was offside. He did not know it was offside. You see that nervous look across the, across the linesman after he put it in the net. So that's my argument why I think he's overrated. He is not the best in the, in the world. Let me have it. Who's going first? 
All I can think about listening to that is how much Trent is living rent free in your head right now. This <laughs> <laughs> is this is years of planning. This is years. He's been waiting for this moment. I don't. I, I don't want like, to. I feel like it. I could. I feel like I could respond purely based on vibes and instinct, with no factual analysis. <laughs> <laughs> but do, do you see where Christ. I'm coming from, though? Do you see where I'm coming from? Like, it's, do you do you not think it's part of the system is why he is, why he got those thirteen assists? Like, and everyone. I mean, but... I, I, I don't think it's fair to exclude his goals from set pieces or his assists from set pieces in the analysis because if other fullbacks were better at set pieces, they would. I know they are though, but um, like, my point he's is the first he's in the list because he is very good at set pieces. Yeah, but that's that's like um, the way I, the way I took it out of it was to try and compare him to the likes of Amisaka and stuff because then it's like a fair game, right? It's just open play. The Amisaka just doesn't take free kicks. Neither does Espelicueta. Neither does. That's um, part of his game, though. It's like you can say, "Oh, he's a dead ball special." No, I, I'd say that's true. That's yeah. pretty, like I'm always like he's got. Don't get me wrong. I think he's got great delivery on him, but my point is he's not the best. Right, the right back is still a position where you defend and attack. And he cannot do one aspect of that position. And he's clearly not that good at passing. Otherwise, he'd be playing midfield like Joshua Klimic, who can play right back and he plays centre mid. And he plays both for, for Bayern Munich. So, because he can pass the ball and he can defend and he can play fullback. Whereas Trent can only do one thing, which is we have all the possession. I'm just going to whip in 150 crosses a game. Maybe two of them will go in. I don't think you can say Trent really like passing is bad there. I think he's it's, it's a very good passer. The well, my point is, if, if he was that elite a passer, do you not think he would have been moved into midfield already? No, because why would he be moved into midfield if he's doing so well at right back? Because he's, like, he's been played one system in his whole career and he True. has been like world-class in that system. So what's the point in then having an average right back and then sticking him in? He probably well, won't be point, as good in midfield. Well, my point is that I don't think... I think an average right back would be world-class in that system. I don't think he makes... That position, world class. I think anyone, I, like Reese James, is. I would honestly, he would do the exact same job for me in that position. Because he's got just as good a delivery. What a boy! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's what I mean. Like, I, I, I think Kim, Kyle Walker, Kieran Trippier's got a great delivery, but like he's athletic, but doing nothing. He could probably play right back for Liverpool and do the exact same job. I think that's Under pretty hard. And the tactics <laughs> appealing to Sonny here with all your talk about Cesar Azpilicueta and Reece James. <laughs> See what you're trying to do here. Um, I mean, the fact is he's, he's 22 years old. That's he's true. Won, he's, he's played over 100 league games for Liverpool. He's won the Champions League. He's won the Premier League. And he's been an integral part of both yeah. of his teams. Mm. Yeah, yeah, but you can, my argument uh, to that is Daniel. Uh, Arbeloa won Euros, the World Cup, and he won trophies with Real Madrid as a right back for Spain and Real Madrid. And I would say he wasn't even bang average a fullback. Yeah, but but Trent's. I think Trent's... part of Liverpool's system is using the fullback so well, and they are. No, no, but, but my, my yeah. argument is that my argument is that do you, like do you think? Don't get me. I'm not saying he's bad. Like I think he's obviously decent. He's a good footballer. Like he's really good going forward. He's terrible going back. But. Do you think it's, he's a product of the Liverpool system, not the fact that he's actually Slightly. the best right back in the world? Absolutely, I'm, sure I'm sure he's assisted with it. I mean, it's not gonna it's not gonna hinder you to be in a in a system where you're you're successfully winning games. 
but to go back to what Daniel was saying, there has been a pretty integral part of a of a team that's you know performed unbelievably well in in both Europe and in the Premier League, and he's made some some key contributions. Uh, you know, could you say Kieran Trippier would have done the same? I'm not so sure he would have done. Would a World Cup semi final free kick? What are you talking about? That's true. That's true. Fair point. I take that back. And back. <laughs> but there's some respect on the name. <laughs> yeah. um, no, but okay, I'll, I'll ask you this question then. Um, as for all you guys, right? So, how many players in the Liverpool team would you say are more important than Trent in the starting lineup? So I'll just name some, right? Salah more important than Trent? Yes. Yeah. Firmino. Yeah. Manny? No. No, Firmino. Firmino is so intense. Manny. Manny, yeah. I I think Firmino's class for that system. For that, the way they want to play, yeah. Manny, yes. Right. So that's the attacking three already are more important. Robertson has better defensive stats and has better cross accuracy than Trent last year. I don't think you can really. I don't think you can. As in, who would, if you had to drop one of the two, you drop Trent before him because he is a better defender and he attacks just as well. I think I mean, Robertson's a very high. It's, yeah. it's a very hypothetical situation, but who would you play it right back? No, but my, my point is, really have it's a not because right of back. him that they, they, like, he's just part of the team, but he's not the reason that Liverpool went on this magical run. It's more he, players like Van Dijk, uh, players uh, like Firmino, Salah, he, Mane. He, he is a right back. I mean, like there is waiting to the position as well. You can't like. No, I know. Yeah, there's only know. a limit what you can achieve at right back. You can't expect, like, if for an American football comparison, if you wanted a full back to be better than your quarterback, or if you wanted, you know, uh, a right tackle. You know, it doesn't. You know, there is a limit to what you can achieve at right back. But like Daniel was saying there, you know, yeah, if you were to, you can't really just take one piece away and then, you know, would you play him? Wouldn't you play him? He's he's a right back, and from what his achievements, you know, what he's added from a right back perspective, is pretty impressive. I guess. Um, as much as as much as I love Andy Robertson, I would still go for Trent over him just for set pieces. I mean, the I fact could... he does take the free kicks, he does take the corners. You can't really take that out of the Liverpool team. Yeah, but he also defends. I way mean, and he's got same delivery going forward. He's he's got better cross accuracy than him. He got one less assist without taking all the corners last season. So I don't really see why you take Trent over him. Because Trent <laughs> did get more assists. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but Trent got more because he took, he took every he, set play. Well, and he get out better at set pieces. He would take. Yeah, Hendel takes them, mate. But if you, if you're asked to <laughs> if if you're asked to take more set pieces and you're asked to cross more, it's going to skew the stats. You know, it doesn't necessarily going to equate to more goals. Oh, no, but, no, it's yeah. not. No, yeah, but my... and it's not like he's crossing into big target men like Giroud or someone like that. They yeah, are going to get the head and everyone. He's got small people to. He's got to put it in very good areas. <laughs> He's also crossed 382 times. Like it's just a potluck. He's just chucking it in, hoping someone gets a nod on. Like, but that, but like you kind of said earlier, that is crossing, really. Like, yeah, there's only yeah, so much you can. That, yeah, you can that's do. why. There's like it, when people. What infuriated me about this whole thing was people's argument for Trent being the best right back in the world is he got 13 assists. So I just looked into it and just proved that by statistically is. I don't think those 13 assists are as impressive as, let's say, De Bruyne getting 18 assists because obviously he's actually meaning to pass through or whatever and getting assists. Trent's assists are, I'll cross it in. I'll not hope for the best, but you know what I mean? Like, it's essentially that kind of vibe. 
because that's what fullback's role is. We just had to put it in a good area. Um, and the fact that he had the opportunity to cross 382 times compared to other people who were crossing 100. Like, Wambisaka crossed 100 times and he got five assists. Trent crossed 182 times and he got uh, eight assists from open play. That's but my you, point. Y- yeah, I agree with that. But that might be an indictment of the, the forwards getting into the right positions and finishing you know, every one of those deliveries might have been absolutely world class. I'm not saying well, they so were, because I've seen yeah. them and they probably weren't. But <laughs> you know, it, it, it's it's a stat that doesn't. You can't say that. And I understand that you're using that to say that yeah, the nine assists aren't the be all and end all. Yeah. But then you can't use it in a flip sense and say that that disproves that he's a good player. No, no, he, I'm not. He's playing that. against teams that are going to sit back as well. He's going to be. Yeah, they're yeah, going to yeah. be eight players in that box. Covering I, all the little yeah, spaces yeah. that he's going to have to try. Never, I'm not saying that he's not. I, don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm not trying to say that he's awful going for. He obviously has a great delivery. He takes all the free kicks. His crossing is really good. Uh, the only thing I'm saying is I don't think he's the, as exceptional as people make him out to be just because of the stats he got, like just because of the assists he got. And people seem to forget how reliant he is on Van Dyke because when Van Dyke's not there, he's so exposed at the back. Like I don't think people quite understand how bad he is at defending. Like, I have the stats, and you guys can look at them later on. But him, one-on-ones, aerial duels, into, like, everything, out of position and stuff like that, like, he's not very good at defending. I don't, I don't think if you were going to build a team around Trent, which is ridiculous because he's the right back, but you, you, you wouldn't play him in a back four. You would play him in a back five. You would have a bit yeah. more cover behind him. Um, it doesn't really work with the way that Klopp plays. It's not his style. It's and Klopp has been successful with the four three three that he's been going with. So, um, do you so, guys all? I'll I'll, I'll kind of close this off right, right? Just because we need to move on. But who do you think is the best right back in the Premier League? Never mind the world, because I think I I don't know. We can't really judge the rest of the world because I don't really watch football in Syria, Bundesliga, etc. So I have no idea. But in the Premier League, for me personally, and I might get slandered. I love Wambasaka. I think Wambasaka is phenomenal, and I think he's one. I think like you're saying, Trent is only good going forward. Wambasaka is only good going back. He's not very good attacking. Yeah, he got a few assists, but then I also think he's hindered because of he's playing with clowns. So like he's uh, playing, uh, uh, but Wambasaka doesn't have a delivery. Like he couldn't play. He doesn't have. No, no, I don't. I know. I I think he is. He's. I don't know. I think. As a, as a right back, I as a full package, I think Wamasaka is better than a Trent, but that's a personal opinion. From what the stats said, Cesar Espelicueta was the best right back in the Premier League. Um, <laughs> but I didn't watch much of it, and I think his legs had kind of gone anyway, so he's not as quick going forward. Um, he's still a class defender. Um, but that's just my personal opinion. What, what about you guys? Like, let me know what what do you think. Best is he the best right back in the world? Oh, sorry, in the Premier League. I'm just say Premier League because we all don't watch other football. <laughs> I'm going to go with the the right back that has won the Premier League, the Champions League, and isn't going to peak for another five or six years. It's going to keep getting better. If I could only have one right back in the league, I would go for Trent. Hands down. Oh, that's a good question. So at Newcastle right now, you would have Trent yeah. in your team? Over DeAndre Yedlin. No, 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 no. no. If you could have <laughs> Over Javier Manquillo. Are you asking me if I would rather a Javier Manquillo no, 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 or no, 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 Trent no, no. Alexander-Arnold? What I'm asking you is, if you could have any right-back in the Premier League for Newcastle, you would pick Trent. 
Yeah, because we play, with three, we, we, we play with three right-backs in the same team in every match, <laughs> so I would have one of them as Trent. If yeah. you're playing four at the back, which you want to play, you would not have Trent. You wouldn't pick Trent. I don't think he would make us any worse. <laughs> but you'd pick someone who could defend, um, right? Surely, at Newcastle, you'd pick someone who could actually defend. Um, if you're telling if me... If I was manager of Newcastle, there was a lot I would change. It wouldn't just be the right <laughs> Okay, Sadie, what about you, I don't think he's been the best this year, but I do think Trent is still the best right back in the league. Fair enough. Edwin? Yeah, I'm going to say Trent just to uh, annoy you, uh, despite <laughs> all your stats, that we've all gone for Trent, and uh, I think that means your no, argument's failed. That's so, uh, not failed at all, but I'll put the stats up on Instagram, <laughs> everyone make your opinions. I, I do agree it. with you, Giles, though. He is definitely better in Liverpool systems than, say, he's playing in someone else's, but... I think if, if he is playing in Liverpool system, so at the moment he's still world class. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, there is probably a reason why he hasn't really got much of a look in England, where Gareth Southgate does seem to prefer going for Kyle Walker or for Kieran Trippier, They're right back. Trippier, mate, he's, the, he's fucking class. I'm <laughs> telling you. Put some respect on that guy. And he's got a delivery. I, 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 I would have picked Trippier, but he said the best right back in the yeah, Premier true. League. So. Can't go for Liga. Um, I was good to be like that's uh, stats in one thing, but obviously, as you say, in the Liverpool system, he has been. He has been. No, he's been really good. Can't deny that he has been really good. Him and Robertson both. If they both played for Man United, would they be? Probably not, because they'd be playing with Lindelof and Maguire, and they probably have to defend a lot more. Um, but we'll move on, Ed. Go on, make your case. Why is VAR ruining football? Yeah, so this will be a little bit of a different debate. So I'm not just going to bombard you with um, with stats, figures <laughs> that are compiled over the last year in a spreadsheet that I keep under my bed. Um, <laughs> no, this is a it's a little bit of a different argument. I'm not I've not I've not gone and done a lot of research. I've not um, you know I've not written everything down. So this is just you know this is more emotive, yeah, than than uh, than anything else. But VAR is ruining football. You know, it's it's. Yeah. It, I don't know if you can point solely to VAR, but in this case, I'll use it as the 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 the, the, the scapegoat for everything that's wrong with football that's come in over the last five years. The commercial aspects, the the paying to watch your your team when you can't get in, you can't go. Obviously, COVID's you know put even more pressure on it this this season than than ever before. Um, the, the the plastic nature of the whole the whole Premier League and then you you know just just when you you think oh I, I, you've created a product that I can maybe buy into they bring in VAR which just steals that last little bit of passion that these these so-called Premier League fans have for their club you think like you, 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 you're in like you watch the game for the big moments, you know, you watch the game for, for passion, you know, you don't watch it to have your, your your last second winner stolen. You know, if you've ever been in the away end when, you know, you let's say it's a, a cold Tuesday night, you've, you've travelled all the way to Accrington Stanley and... Um, <laughs> You know, you've nicked a you've nicked a one-one draw. Um, you're you're on the cusp of going down from League Two, um, even though you're getting eighteen thousand fans at home. You know, you come in, you nick a point, and you you know, and the fans are going wild. You know, that's that's what you're there for. That's that's what's special about football. It's not then having to wait a minute whilst he, they evaluate is is his armpit hair, you know, <laughs> past the line. And you, you know, you can argue it's not it's not the VAR. It's the way it's being implemented, which. It, yeah, in a rational idea, it is. 
But football isn't rational. Football's about passion. It's about emotion. It's about fans connecting with a team. It's not about oh, it's not about winning. It's not about losing. It's not about was it a goal? Not you know. It's about debating the point. It's about being there in the moment and supporting the team, not having to wait to see. You know, you can't even celebrate. I don't know what you do. I don't know if I mean I've never been to a game with VAR. I normally reside in like Yeovil's away end, so I don't know. I don't, I've never been to a ground big enough to support the technology, but I, I don't. You you can't celebrate. You know how do you? It, it, I just it, everything is wrong about it. Everything about football is designed to not have a delay when you're when you're celebrating a goal, and that's that's my point. So you know, I know you'll come back and say, "Oh, they're making the right decisions, and the referee needs support." and but yet, but the referee is is paid to do a job as well, as are the footballers. You don't, like, if somebody's playing badly, you don't like get an electronic support system to make them play better. <laughs> you know, you you get a better one, be a better referee, and make the correct decision. You know, I think on the large part, the the referees and the linesmen make, you know, they do a good job, particularly in the Premier League. I mean, I've seen some shameful decisions, but it wouldn't stop me going to support the team and go and watch the game. It, it kind of adds adds to the atmosphere. You know, it adds to the frustration. It adds to the pleasure when you finally turn it around. So, that's yeah. my that's my argument. It's about think, it's about passion. Yeah, I, th- I kind of get it. I get where you're coming from, right? But then I also heavily disagree because you say all this about passion and stuff, but the amount of money and you say, yeah, if you go to Accrington away, how about I put it this way, Ed? You're one point from safety. You're one-one, and Accrington score a horrendously offside goal that goes in, and you go down because of it, and you go back that's home, football. You, you, that's but that's football. not football. It was a false decision. With the VAR. Yeah, but then you probably had a false decision like earlier on. This exactly, season. but that's a horrible argument. Like my it's point not. is not that I don't think it. Is. I I hear VAR. I feel an agreement. But my, so uh, one of the things I would say is I think it's being implemented really badly. Right? It's, I don't think that um, the technology yeah. works in every single sport. I don't say oh those, those sports have stoppage and stuff. So me and Sunny play hockey. Hockey is a lot faster than football. Mm-hmm. A lot faster paced, and it's used really well in that sport. But they don't. I, no other sport in the world has the same passion. No other support. Oh, fuck no, your no, passion. No, 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 no fuck nothing, off, Jazz. No, 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 no. Nothing is like the passion. Nothing. Like, but that's, <laughs> no that's, that's why you don't understand. No, no, that's I do. I do get it. I get it. I do get what you mean. What I think with, what I think. Uh, so I, you can't got, celebrate goals as much anymore. No, that's true. But what I say is uh, there's ways you can make it better, right? And I've kind of thought, and I'll let you guys have a go at it as well, because it's going to stay, right? It's not just going to go away. VAR is going to be here to stay. It's going to improve. And I think the biggest issue with it, and you kind of mentioned it, Ed, like someone's armpit here is offside and like because of the guys draw a line and they've kind of called it offside. And that's, I think that's fundamentally the biggest issue with VAR right now. That's most of the talking point people are hating is things that are level but they'll just say it's offside because his like left testicle slightly offside. Like, it's it, like, and my point with that is, I think they need to develop a system that's like, um, you guys all watch quickly, maybe not Daniel, but like a DRS, D, the DRS, DRS system, which has like an umpire's call. There should be a linesman's call. So there should be a line where the last man defender is, and there should be like a five-yard buffer, plus or minus five yards. And if it's within that, whatever the linesman said goes, because there's human error within the lines, there's error within the technology, and that takes away all these like tiny, tiny ones and if it's with, with out of this range, then it's clearly offside or onside, so you can change the decision. The whole point of VAR is to try and get rid of uh, horrible errors. It's not to try and nitpick little, little things. I think that's what's causing a lot of these debates where you've gone, oh, offside. That means the offside, offside. run needs change then. 
What do you mean? They just need to change the rule. Because technically, if they do, they aren't put off out. Like, it is frustrating. It technically is offside. No, I, know, I know, but I mean that you can add the yeah. DRS where it goes with whatever the linesman said because you can say it's the technological error, which is which is a thing, right? That's what DRS said. If, if, if you're less than half a ball clipping the stumps, um, it's whatever the umpire said on the field. So if the linesman mm. said it's offside. And no, the guy, I agree. I think that's a good yeah. idea. I like think that would if there's a way yeah. to do it. Well, Daniel, I don't know how you'd do it. I was going to say I, I agreed with you right up until you got to the armpit offside thing. <laughs> um, because, I mean, for me, like an offside isn't, it's an objective fact. It's measurable. You are either onside or you're not. There's no opinion about it. There's no discretion to the referee. Like That is true, Daniel. Like, but my problem is with the rule. Like, 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 but my point is yeah, that it's, it's like, human error. Love it or hate it. But when you're using the technology, yeah. there's human error where you draw the line. So you're gonna you're gonna factor in that, um, and um, there's human, I, there's gonna be error within the technology. Every technological thing has a digital error in it. So you can't okay. say that something is exactly correct because you've drawn a line. It's the lines are drawn okay. by eye. Like if you draw the line okay, slightly. But to- like to take it across the pitch a little bit, you've got um goal line technology. Are you guys favor again goal line technology? Oh, I love that I, quality. I could leave okay. it, I could leave it, I could do without it to be honest. Why? <laughs> could do without it, just another little, another little spoiler, another takes just takes a little bit more weight your soul. But that doesn't even take any time, and it gets the right decision. Going for chaos and anarchy here. <laughs> I'm not. I'm just going uh, for regular uh, games of football. I would. I would say. I. I think. I'd rather get rid of it and fix it before instead of keeping it like this. Like the Chelsea um, Barcelona game years ago, where she had had about four penalties. If there was the AR, we would have pumped them and probably could have had another Champions League. Or a couple of years ago, Northern Ireland got knocked out of the Euro qualifier, World Cup qualifiers from a bad thing they are would have fixed but that's just that was just part of it and it's like that's exactly that's football and that's... then like last year I was at a game and we Chelsea scored and then they just they are and you just sit there for like it was four minutes or something you're standing there freezing and then it's like oh you have to celebrate again but you just celebrate and then you go oh shit is it offside and it's just yeah. it was it's just not as good it's just football because you've all become so accustomed to bad decisions in the past. Like we should be striving to get everything right. Um, I do agree that I think the system is a little bit broken. Like the biggest issue I have is when it comes to things like penalties, um, because then it usually comes up to something that the referee has seen on the pitch that the person in Stockley Park disagrees with, and then it's kind of two opinions against each other. Um, yeah, when it comes to offside, when it comes to whether or not it's a goal or not, like this is something where technology is helpful because it's an objective fact. It's something that you can measure on the pitch. It's all of the other things, like is a tackle a red card? Um, is it a penalty? Like these are all things where human opinion comes into it. And there, I think VAR is kind of undermining the referee. Yeah, but the point to this these days. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're not. That's what that. So you kind of make it more. That's what my system kind of helps, right? Because the linesman still makes the call. If it's level or within that error bar you set, it goes to whatever the linesman said. 
but then you don't need VAR, really. You know, if you've given them that yeah. much buffer and they're still getting it wrong, then, then, then but, but you've got the a serious problem. That, but that's the point. It's, On rare occasions. Yeah, but that's the point. It's, it's, VAR is there to get rid of the howler. It's not there to nitpick on the little, little things. But that's part and of the fun. You know, you, you know that's part of the, like, you watch, part of the you watch fun. You watch match of the day and it's like, you know, <laughs> Alan Shearer's going off because Uriah Rennie's made another howler and things. It's, <laughs> that's, all part of, that's all part of the game. I don't... It becomes so stale. It's, it's it becomes so like so false, you know. Like like you're explaining there. Suddenly, when when you've scored, you've got to wait like five minutes later. It's a goal, and it's like you can't like suddenly materialise the same enthusiasm that you had in that mm-hmm. split second that the goal has gone in. It's yeah. not the same. Nothing's no, nothing about it is natural to football. You know, it's just about. It's just about kicking a ball about, you know. It should be like how you can play. That's, that's, I'm just a purist. I think you should be able to, you know, distances it from being able to go and play in the park, and then all of a sudden you've got, you know, robots playing. That's exact exaggeration. I don't believe that, but you know, where's where's the line? It's just it becomes more yeah. and more stale. Uh, <laughs> I mean, do you think the offside rule is killing football? Should we just get rid of the offside rule? I think I think that's more the issue. I think the rules are more the issue than VAR. The, the, yeah, I actually think that's quite a good thing you said about um, like not having the VAR with like a penalty decision might keep that because that is just someone's opinion. Whereas like, the only time, just the only less, time give less power to VAR essentially, like, make only, them have less decision to make. It's not only checked by the referee if he wants. To, they tell him to have another look if you, if they think so. Because before the penalty was stupid, right? Because it was as Daniel said, it was some bloke sat in a room going, "Ah, oh, no, you made the wrong decision. Change it to a penalty." Whereas you have no idea what the referee's yeah. thought process was when he made the decision. Whereas now they've gone to the European way where they've gone, "No, have a look on the TV." Yes, it takes a bit longer. I just remember it working so well at the World Cup, and then all of a sudden it was just dreadful. Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, one system I would like is you know in tennis the way it's like a challenge system so each yeah. player gets I think two or three challenges where they can disagree with the umpire's call I think mm-hmm. football should maybe go down that like give each coach maybe two challenges per match where they can disagree with a decision on pitch um, and if they waste them then that's it if you can yeah. see a 95 minute penalty like you had your chance you blew it and it's going to stop from disputing like frivolous decisions. That's what they do in hockey, isn't it, Sonny? They've, you've got challenges. Yeah, you, yeah, you get yeah. to. So, then I think the problem with that could be, say you don't use them, say anybody scores anywhere near the 90th minute, they're just going to lump on, it's going to be VAR in the last minute of the game. Yeah. And you're all sitting there watching a screen just as VAR, purple background. Yeah, use but then it. that's... That's kind of um, yeah, what they're doing cricket, right? At times when you're like the last man, you just review it anyway because you're like, well, what's the harm? But I, but that would stop VR inter- interruptions though, right? Because it'll be like, if you look at, for instance, offsides and stuff, you can go, we're not challenging that because that's so close, right? But whereas like, if it's a clear and obvious offside, there's a guy in the room gone like, Joseph. There should be a time limit that. then, I think. Yeah, there should be. So that's what they have in the NFL, right? You've got, you've got a time limit and you can throw your red flag and you can like, I know NFL is a lot more stop and start, but the way VAR is now, I agree with you guys in that way, that it's stopping too much. It's, st- it's checking too many things. Whereas if it's only one challenge a game, then, you know what I mean? Like, that's just one time. Like if, or if people in Stockley Park have, like, a minute or 30 seconds 
Yeah. Then you're going to notice if it's clear and obvious. If it's yeah. so clear and obvious, you'll notice in a minute. If it's not, like, I, I, I personally yeah, think, I think we, that's... the way offside's done right now is just stupid. I think that that is really football. The way bars do offsides, where if you look at the naked eye, you go, that's level. And then they draw a line, and it's like, oh, he's actually 0.04 centimeters offside. It's like, 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 come on, like, but you can't the, do this offside or not. Like the, the, like, the problem with that is that you're kind of saying you should have this margin of error of maybe a couple of millimeters or centimeters um, where somebody could technically be slightly offside, but it's just a tiny bit offside. But then where, the bars of error you know, where, yeah, but like, where, where, where do you draw the line? When it comes to that. Like, when it comes to offside, like, you are offside or you're not. It's like a, it's a physical state of being. Yeah, but yeah. My, point, my point with that system was, Daniel, that if it's in that range, it's whatever the line's been said. So if the line's been said that was offside, it's offside. If the line's been said it was onside, it's onside. It's not saying that it's, not saying that it's onside if it's within that range. It's just saying that just go with whatever the line's been said. So that way, as Sonny said, the line's been actually useful. Because if it's in that range, whatever line's been said, we go with it. You but, can do it without the lines. Because like, mm-hmm. back in match today, like, if there was offside, they could just do it where they pause, like, oh, he's passed here. I think yeah. he's offside. Yeah. And then it would take away just the controversy of those little armpits and stuff. And I'll just be a bit quicker. I don't know. Like, I, I always grew up watching football and people were always criticising, you know, after the match in 2006 or something. Um, if a penalty had gone against them, they would have been like, oh, you know, we need video technology to help out the referee. We need video technology. Why is there no video technology? And then we I'm have video passionate. technology. Everybody hates it. <laughs> so I think it's just a change, uh, right? I think people will get used you... to it. But people are always going to complain, but then no, they're taking away the like, thrill of it. I mean, like, so I, I guess like the whole passion argument boils down to what do you value more? Is it the integrity of the sport? And making sure that every decision is right, every player who scores is on side, every penalty is actually a foul, or is it more about the overall passion of the sport? Passion. Every decision doesn't need to be right, though. And every decision, every single part of the game, you know, you're just describing a, a product that is, is you know, that, that's the product of, of, of TV and all the Premier League. It's not. It's not real. It's not why a lot of people. Well, maybe I'm in the minority, but it's not why I would watch football. It's not why all these people go to you know home and away to support their team. It's not you know the result is never really the the be all or end all. So you know the last oh, thing right. they're really too concerned about is uh, you know a minor decision here or there. Yeah, okay, okay. It's probably not the the end of the world to put it in, but it's not why people watch football. It's not why people go to games. Maybe it's why people watch the Premier League. And if you're a casual fan, you might you might enjoy, you know, a, a, the correct decision here or there. And if it's going out to millions of people, but it's not it's not the same. It's not the same. To be honest, I don't think you have to worry about VAR at Fratton Park for a very long time, mate. So, um... as well. Just as well. <laughs> just as well. I don't think yeah, Plymouth. I, 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 I don't. <laughs> Plymouth, Portsmouth is going to be a big fixture for VAR. You go, you know, it's like it's like a day out. You know, you go, you you get the train or you get the megabus twelve hours down overnight, and then you go and watch them lose lose to to Torquay at home one nil. 
Um, they only brought 12 fans. We had a sellout capacity at home. Uh, dodgy decision in the box, penalty given. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, I don't, do I regret going? Yes, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> but that's not because of the decision. That's because you lost 1 0 at home to Torquay and your performance was disgraceful. So it's not, it, it, it's just, it's just that's not what it's about. That's a true that's... story, sadly. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Well, I think we're coming to the end of the podcast. It was quite a good debate, and I think it's a debate that go on for ages because, yeah, I think technology is here to stay. I hope they change the rules a bit and implement some sort of system that doesn't mean that, as you said, left ball here is offside. So you know, like uh, it's offside. It's just stupid stuff like that. It's just it's the common problem. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> trim your hair. Yeah, trim your hair. Big chungus. <laughs> At what stage when you're getting flagged off enough? Like, well, what stage do you trim your hairs? I would have probably thought the first time you get called off. Um, but yeah, you'll just yeah. I think it's a debate that's going to go on for ages. Uh, but it was quite a good one. Uh, it was quite interesting that we're kind of all. I like. I mean, every, everything people said were right. Like the, the passion of the sport, definitely. But getting the decisions right is also a different. Like, um, also, Daniel, you sound about 100 years old when you're trying to talk about the old days. You and Ed sounded so old. Back <laughs> in the good old days, we didn't have no technology. I was sure when he was alive back then. Yeah. Good old days. Glory generation. Yeah, maybe I'm biased because that's when Portsmouth are actually remotely good. So I'm trying to live in those those days. I don't even know what VAR is. I've never even seen it being employed. So maybe that's my problem. <laughs> um, but anyway, thank you, lads. It was honestly class talking to football with you guys. Uh, so Sunny and uh, Sunny and Daniel, thank you very much, guys. And I'm sure we we'll have you back on. Cheers. Uh, thank you for inviting um, me. As always, Ed, my co-host, uh, we'll be back next week, Ed, I think, with some more NFL, with some playoffs hotting up. So Look forward to it. Raven's uh, going all the way. You heard it here first. Yeah, and that is the end of the Footy Podcast. Thank you for listening.